Oh, good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you've given up work for the day and uh, hope you're enjoying the sun because we're working in a very cool office, but um, outside it's absolutely boring. So are you outside working on routes? Are you working on the roads? Let us know. Um, we're celebrating Pride Month this month and uh, this week, this show, I've got two fantastic guests and we can talk all about it. But before we get on to that, there is a chance for you to win the hoodie. Uh, I've usually got the grey hoodie on, but it's so hot today. I'm in the old, uh, the old summer wear. But um, if you want to win the hoodie, all you got to do is just put a comment in and at the end of it, we just randomly pick someone out and you, we can send that to you there. So um, if, you, if you've been uh, doing anything with Pride Month this month or there's any stories you want to share with us, just put the comments in there. Just let us know and we'll put the comments on screen and we'll say hello to you. So I'll say hello to my guests who've joined me all the way from miles away. Well, not so much for Christina, but Neil, thank you for coming along. No Whereabouts did you come from? Uh, South Wales. South Wales. That sounds a long way away. It's far enough, yeah. Yeah, because we're in Birmingham, so is that, is that far? That is about 140 miles. Oh, is it? Yeah, just a, just a quick trip up there. Make sure you put your receipt in for diesel. I'll have to try, yeah. <laughs> so, so what's it you do? What, what do you I, do? I run a small builder company. Oh, okay. So what sort of work are you doing? Uh, we do all sorts, really. We've got, uh, we do garage conversions, lock conversions, extensions, um, conversions, all sorts, really. Yeah. Um, we do quite a lot of insurance, like that sort of thing, burnouts and rebuilds. So it's, it's pretty varied. Are you busy at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flat out. Still busy, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it gets a bit wary, but... Uh, yeah. So, oh, cranky's all going on. It's because it's so hot in here, see? Um, so how many guys have you got to work for you? Uh, in all, I've got nine together. Have you? Yeah. That's the stressful part, isn't it? That's, that's the hard bit. Yeah. All good as gold, they're all brilliant. Yeah. But uh, it is, it's difficult trying to man-manage as well as, as, as everybody else's, but they are. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for driving all that way. No problem. Yeah. And hello to Christina. Yeah, good to meet you. Good so, to be here. So, so, so tell us what you do and where you come from. Hey, so um, I'm from Oxford. Uh, yeah, driven about 60 miles today. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a senior planner for a construction company. I've worked for the tier, top tier ones, uh, Balfour Beatties and ISGs and Morgan Sindels over the last 30 years. Right. Um, so yeah, as a planner, because uh, you get town planners and you get like construction planners, so I, I fall into the construction planning side of things. So I do Gantt charts, programs, uh, method statements, logistics, all that sort of thing. Crikey, a Gantt chart. A Gantt chart, yeah. That's you, when you go to site and you see all the, the lines on, you know, how long it takes to build a job, or you go to like Wembley and they're like, you know, ten weeks behind or whatever. It's me that is behind oh, okay. the scenes telling you why it's late or how we're gonna get back on program. So you worked on some famous jobs, some big jobs. I've, I've been on some great jobs. Yeah, no, I worked on the Athletes Village for the Olympics. Uh, I did the refurbishment of uh, Lakeside Shopping Centre in London. Um, we get as a planner working for the Tier Ones, you do get into like some amazing buildings. Yeah, I mean, I've been into like uh, you know like the Houses of Parliament and Tower of London and London wow. Bridge and like some of the big uh, arenas. I worked at. Wimbledon tennis courts with the moving roof as well. Right. Yeah, quite a few years ago now. So yeah, brilliant. So so that that is the job for when the job comes in when they win the contract. You what you well, plan all labour to go in there. So well, my job is like I do work winning as well. So the, the, we get all the documents, all the drawings, uh, specifications, and the, the bill of quantities and everything. And I have to look at all that, come up with a program, how long it's going to take to build it, do the critical path. Uh, you know, which is the shortest, quickest time to build the actual project. Um, and then we submit that with a price and uh, hopefully the quickest job 
with the, the cheapest price usually wins. Okay. Not not always the case. Um, so you're the one that always gets the blame if it goes over and time. It, well, we get the blame. <laughs> <laughs> get the blame if yeah, if the program goes in too quick. But yeah. uh, you know, but you know, we're we're also there to like do the mitigation and you know if you know we have to recover time or we get additional works, then you know it's my job to like and come up with a, a new plan. So you've always been in the planning. You haven't have been on the tools and well, down on the ground. Um, my first 10 years, I was like site engineer. So I used okay. to be out on site with the field light and uh, setting out our foundations and yeah. the piling and piling and, uh, and you know, the uh, concrete frames and everything. So yeah. my background is engineering and okay. then uh, went into the office and I sort of stayed there I was, I was, for like the last 20 years. I've been planning now. Yeah. So, but I mean, I work with the subcontractors and the guys on site and and uh, you know, it's you know, I have quite an interactive job with you know the whole team, really. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. So, Neil, tell us about um, you say you you work for different types of customers. You've got yeah, you've set up yeah. something different with your building yeah, business. Um, well, I've got my main company, a company, small company. Um, but I realised years ago through clients that there was a um, a need, I suppose, for um, an open for gay friendly builders because yeah. some of my clients had had bad experiences. So I set up my little um, the training name was Pink Builders. Um, I thought I'll give it a little try out what happens, and I got an amazing response from it from gay couples, lesbian couples, all sorts, straight couples as well. Um, and for quite a few years, we did a lot of work in London. Though uh, we love living in Wales, um, traveling up, and, and it kind of I haven't pushed it too hard, but it's just it's kind of like a an easier way for people to have gay couples. I mean, there's the normal things that. Perhaps one of the reasons I did it, in fact, was that one of the couples I worked for said, "Oh, I'm so glad they found me," because um, they'd had work done on their house many, many years before, and they got some like nasty comments from the builders there. You know, the watch out, lads! The, the gay boys coming out, sort of thing. And in front quite, of them? Well, but you know, under the breath, I could hear. Oh, it, right. Right. And little things were being said, um, and they didn't like it. So they swore behind they'd never another building in the house. Well, obviously, being gay as well, it doesn't necessarily make you. Any better at build, though? I like to say them a good one, but you've got that contact already. So there's and, and things are the obvious things in life where you might have a photograph of your partner up on the wall holding hands. Mm. Well, some people think they will even got to take them down because they don't want people to know or whatever. Um, of course, with us, we don't have that, that issue. I know most of very good friends over the years yeah. as well. So that's friends. a you've got that as a separate company. You've got your main company. Yeah, the, the it's, it's the, the pink build is all part of the same thing. It's just a trading name, really. It's just like a. a a slot to aim. I mean, work for, for anybody really, but um, we do get quite a percentage of the, of the clients being being gay or, or this things. Or, okay, yeah. that's, that's a good. niche market. So that's uh... yeah, yeah. It's a bit niche, niche in Wales, but but, then, <laughs> but, but you've got Cardiff, um, and it, and it's changing as time goes past. I mean, obviously, if I was based in London, it'd be a totally different thing. I'd probably be flat out all the time with with, with gay clients, but yeah. uh, it's it's still Cardiff's great. I mean, South Wales is a lovely place to live. Um, there's still a little bit of attitude sometimes, but I mean, is there a bit of a thing? So, but I, I don't personally don't have a group thing. It's all it's been a positive thing for me. Yeah. But, so, how much the work split do you split between those two businesses? Um, well, at the moment, it's quite quite strange because um, the pink builder side of it seems to be going quite quite well, very well. But um, we've got three projects on the moment. Um, one we just started for a gay couple in Swansea. Um, another one through pink, which is a straight couple, but the lady wanted a gay builder for uh, for whatever reasons I could I couldn't say perhaps I shouldn't but um, and with the next one after that is for a, a gay guy a single gay fella 
We still do lots of stuff in insurance with, with bigger companies and um, insurance companies, that sort of thing. So it, who, for, for the pink builders, is that just you that does the work for that or have you got other guys that help you? No, no, it's all, all the same guys. Um, they're all straight, I must add. Because, I was going to uh, say, are they gay as well? Yeah, I've, I've had my guys work for the past yeah. and no doubt um, probably gay guys I didn't even know. Yeah. But uh, having said that, I mean, you wouldn't say because the industry, industry can still be still a little bit um, for instance, I do know, you know, by and gay guys that work in the industry, but they're not out um, for their own various reasons. Um, whereas perhaps in other industries, you might find it a little bit more easy to be so, or they certainly used to be that way anyway. Yeah. So, so when they when the, those couples are looking to get the work, they they just it's because you're the owner. Yeah. Yeah. They're not so worried about when the guys go in. And, well, no. I mean, I actually I did face this now, and a few pounds off me because when I was thirty-five or forty, it worked a bit better. But now I'm getting on a bit. I think they can be a bit disappointed if I turn up. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to make any difference. But I just, yeah. it's, it's a different range of clients. Because right? I suppose it's that they're sort of based on your values rather than the people. Yeah, that come yeah. In. And it's always a little bit fun and make everything. But they say we've got you know, cute guys working for that sort of thing. Of course, you know, the point and point they're not. You know? <laughs> but uh, it's all a bit banter, really. Yeah. But it, it works out very well, and it just sort of breaks the ice and makes that life a bit more more easy for everybody. So, so being gay yourself and working in the in the trades, so how many years have you worked in trade? Uh, nearly forty. Nearly forty. Yeah. It, uh, how many other gay guys have you come across? Is there many um, working in the industry? Yeah, um, not 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 so much in the early days because I didn't come out until I was thirty-two. Oh, okay. Um, not a long story, but in my generation, that's the sort of thing that perhaps a lot more people didn't come out till later on. Yeah. I actually came out when I met my partner, who's also called Neil, uh, which is confusing for others, but not for us. But yeah, I've met a lot of guys over the years that are, are gay, bi, or whatever, um, but don't tend to be out. Some, very few. Um, and again, for, for their own particular reasons. I mean, it's not for me to, I mean, I could go into it, but I wouldn't because it's not my business to, you know. But yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're fine with me knowing, but not necessarily, they wouldn't be out, out to the public at work. Because yeah. some think that they might get issues with the work, but it's, it's never, it's been the reverse for me, in all honesty. So, so when you were 32, that, that's when you came out yeah. as gay? Before that, were you married at all? Or were you... No, no. Um, I lived with a couple of ladies over the years. Um, I probably always thought I was gay, but again, in my generation, you probably didn't do very much about it, or a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Um, and then when I met my partner now, Neil, nearly 30 years, um, I just thought, well, life's too short, you know, go for it. Yeah. And uh, we've been together ever since, so it's, it's been all right. It's a nightmare. It's like they're with for 30 years. But... <laughs> It's good as gold. It's great. What, where were you working at the time? What were you, were you working for yourself then, or were you working yes, for a company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've only ever subcontracted for a company. I went self-employed. I was about twenty-four yeah. um, in the south, south of England, and then when I moved up to Wales, um, pretty much started again. Um, and I worked for other companies as, as a subcontractor, um, but um, always self-employed. Yeah. And what did it feel like when when that moment at thirty-two and you decided? Because it must be a brave thing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like a weight. Oh, yeah, yeah, incredible. I just actually, I got to the point where um, I had to tell my mother, and I wasn't frightened to tell my mother, but I didn't want to upset her. Um, and I just told everybody, actually, pretty much in a couple of days, that I've met somebody with them. And I was saying, they're on, I, I spoke with a friend of mine last night, his wife, not far away. And um, I phoned him up to tell him, that I've known him since I was 10. And I'd been living with another girl for a couple of years, and we were, we were getting on okay, but it was just not really working out in the end. And I phoned him up and I said, yeah, Mark, Mark, I said, I've got some good news. I've met somebody now and I'm going to move in with them. And he said, well, what's his name? I said, what do you mean, what's his name? So it's got to be a guy, isn't it? I thought, yeah, it is, but what made you say that? He said, we've always known. Over at school, we all knew that you were gay, but we never said anything. 
Well, why would we? I mean, that's going back to the sort of early seventies. So yeah. it was. It's, it's it's just it's a funny thing how it comes about, really. Yeah. So he probably knew more than before I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a brilliant story. What about you, Christine? What's what's your story? And gosh, when did it all happen for you? So okay, so I mean, I I graduated back in the uh, early nineties and uh, got a, got a job with the old Try Construction. If you have anybody remembers, can't even talk. Remembers tries, uh, they became Galliford Try. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked for them 22 years in my previous gender. So I'm transgender. I, I transitioned about eight years ago. Okay. And um, so I always like to say, you know, just so people know that trans is, is about gender identity, whereas obviously being gay is about sexuality. So there's a, there's a difference there. But um, so... Yeah, so I was Chris uh, as when I worked at Gallifrey Try uh, for 22 years, and uh, sort of over that time, I gradually realised I was trans, and uh, I just never really knew how to come out. And the, for me, the culture, not of necessarily of Gallifrey's, but of the whole industry, felt like you couldn't come out as a trans person, and uh, that created a huge amount of stress for me. I was became quite ill with panic attacks and uh, just severe anxiety. I used to have palpitations and uh, my heart would race and I'd be really quite unwell. And that went on for like 10 years, probably. Um, anyway, I left uh, Galliford's and uh, joined Balfour Beatty. And uh, when, when I joined the company, you look at their diversity and inclusion uh, uh, reports and what, what we've got on their website and there was there wasn't a lot really it was like a couple of pages they weren't really doing anything this is back in about 2013 and uh so anyway i joined balfour bt as chris still uh, in my male self and uh you know just wondered how i was gonna transition because i was beginning to already start to tr transition in my private life but not at work and um the story goes that Balfour Beatty actually launched an LGBT network and uh, they had it on their screens in their reception area. And uh, I just knew when I saw this, uh, you know, the advertisement uh, when I signed in for work that actually I was going to go to the launch of their meet of their LGBT network and uh, actually come out to somebody in human resources at the end of it. And um, I did that and it changed my life completely and uh, it set in a, a whole uh, list of things in terms of coming out to my family I've got two daughters um, my parents my friends your colleagues you know for me it is like a, a huge it was like a massive thing back yeah. then um, whereas today it just all feels quite normal so when, when did you realize that you sort of wanted to, to change was it was it from an early age or later uh, on? Uh, well, for, I mean, for all trans people, it's, their stories are different. You know, some trans people know when they're like, you know, say they know when they're like four or five years old. For me, I sort of grew into being Christine. There is, I just became the person I am. And uh, I suppose for me, the anxiety was so severe. I was, in terms of hiding who I really was, mm. that... Um, 
the way I, I think of it now is that I had to transition in order to almost save myself because my, like I say, I was so ill with my, like my heart was racing all the time, like in the morning going to work, in my sleep, I used to wake up middle of the night with these huge panic attacks. And the only way I could cure it was to actually sort of face my, my, my fear, I guess. What do you think was causing the panic attacks? Was it was it the frustration of not being able to tell anybody, or was it the, the worry of when that time came along? It's uh, well, it's it's sort of multiple things really, because initially it would have been like the fear of of being discovered, the secrecy, keeping yeah. it a secret. Um, but then the panic, you know, we talk about mental health a lot in construction now, which is a great thing. And, uh, you know, when you're going through panic attacks, the panic feeds the panic as well. So I was dealing with sort of hypochondria around the symptoms of the panic attacks, but also the secrecy of like going to work Would somebody notice that I'd been, I'd had makeup on the day before, a mascara on or something. And, and and so it was multiple things and, and it just went on, for, you know, for a period of time, it felt like it was never going to end. I actually felt I was going to die, to right. be honest with you. It was that severe. Was it something you could, did you go to the doctors about it? Could you chat to the yeah, doctors? Yeah, yeah. I was on, uh, for the panic attacks, I was on beta blockers for 10 years and it did slow it down a bit, but yeah. I'd still get like palpitations, so like extra heartbeats and they were really like quite disturbing. You know, I literally did feel like I was dying, you know. And um, so you went to this session put on yeah. for a Balfour. Yeah. Uh, and that was the thing that gave you the, you went and spoke to the HR lady. And... Yeah. Well, Max, I mean, I'm still friends with Maxine now. And, uh, and uh, this is like eight years ago now. And um, I suppose I came out twice because I came out to my doctor like five years previously, but, and it was actually that coming out to the doctor and, and uh, having some talking therapy actually cured my panic attacks, but I still didn't, wasn't uh, comfortable coming out at work. So, so the coming out about for BT literally, uh, you know, sort of gave me what I was already going through the process with hormones and with, uh, with medication to to transition so, so how, how did you do that how did you do the coming out did you go home as chris on friday and then well, <laughs> so um well so the balfour beatty coming out i and this is in you know i've just done a podcast with them so it's all out there with, with them as well and uh so i came out to the hr lady and then she introduced me back to my managing director so i had to come out to my managing director he then, you know, I had a meeting with my line manager, I had to come out to her. And then it was like, OK, how are we going to do this? Because like eight years ago, I didn't really know anybody that was LGBT that was going to come out. So we planned it six months later to come out to like all my colleagues you know, and, and John, who did it gave a big speech in the boardroom and um were you, were you in the no the thing is i bottled it <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I actually bottled it uh for but he said it was like a speech for a wedding uh and i wish i'd have gone now but i was like terrified 
And uh, but I went in the next day, and uh, they had the they actually had the Macmillan coffee morning. I don't know if you, which is always like the end of September, and like they had thousands of cakes because it was a big office up in up near Heathrow, and uh, and so yeah, tons of cakes. It was like one big birthday party. So, <laughs> um, but then like it was interesting because like all the women suddenly like I was in the women's group and then a few of the men actually you know were quite empathetic and gave me hugs and stuff and, and said sort of well, you know, well done. What would so, happen if you stayed at the previous company? You might well, never happen to you. Well, this is the big thing, you know. Like you know, life, you know, doors open and things change yeah, and right, yeah. and like obviously, you know, I could have stayed there and the chances are. I would have, that instance would never have happened. But like in 2013, I was already like having medication for hormones and to change my body and that slide indoors moment when you don't. Yeah, well, it's it changed my life and uh, you know I've had an amazing like eight years since. Really, fantastic. That's a brilliant story. Thank you very much. Well, we've got three. We've got some comments to look at. Um, some people writing in. Uh, hello, it's Claire. Hello, Claire. Uh, do you think it's getting easier? I'll ask both of you. This is a brilliant question. Do you think it's getting easier to come out working in construction or things still stuck in the past? What do you reckon, Neil? Um, it, it's, it's never been difficult for me. I know people that it's difficult for. Um, I think that we were talking about earlier on, uh, because I'm like a small company and I tend to we're all quite close. I mean, I've had one chap work for me because I was actually left now, but he worked for me in 20 years. Um, it becomes more of a family run type thing, although it's not a family. At one point, I had um, two brothers and a couple of cousins, and I used to do a lot of family business. It's just not my family. Because um, they're always cousins and brothers from the same same family. But I think in in those sort of conditions of my circumstances, it probably not, I wouldn't find, I think it's an issue. It might well be different though on big sites. I mean, I don't do massive site work, so I said, well, I can imagine if you've got like 300 bricklayers, a red road project, and, and something want to come out, it might be a little bit more um, difficult. Although I think, again, most people I speak to don't really, what does it make type thing. So I think, I think everything's easier than it was. Mm. It's certainly easier um, uh, for, for the youngsters now, obviously, that, uh, wouldn't have probably waited as long as I did because um, I didn't know how people would react or how I would react or if I was making the right decision or if, or if I wasn't gay or I was having this strange sort of thing going through my head. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's easier probably for for everybody. I, some, I don't want to sound boring now, but I sometimes wonder if it's for the young, some of the very young people, if it's a bit too easy. Um, only because I was saying earlier on this, I know of a friend of a friend um, and her son's 11 and he's come out as gay. Well, he, he may well believe he is or, or know he is, but I'm not sure that 11 I would have known. Mm -hmm. And then that's probably just a generational thing, I suppose. But so maybe, you know, I'll probably get told off for saying it, but maybe sometimes it is a little bit too, too easy on the other end. Certainly from not poor situation, you can imagine the sort of stress you're going through. When I found it stressful, and, and when I did come out, when I came out about 30 times as well, yeah. I know what you mean. It's not just coming out. Stopped, you never stop, do you? Oh, yeah, you know. I mean, um, there's always a group who's got to tell, um, and even now sometimes, you know, um, if I'm sort of like everyday sort of general working, there's always your partner who's in the house. Oh, how long have you been together? Yeah, okay. I was going to be bored and go and say whatever, but um, it's it's good people are interested, and that's yeah. nice, you know. If they, well, what do you think, Christine? Is it is it would it be easier now if you were going to come out, or is it is it times uh, changed over the last ten years? So 
I mean, we haven't talked before this, but I mean, I've founded a few networks in the industry. So we, we started building equality back in 2015, which was Balfour Beatty, Arup and Lendlease. And uh, we, we actually went to London Pride for the first time back then. Uh, we had about 40 people. And uh, the last time we went in 2019 before COVID, we had about 500 people. So it shows you that, you know, there are LGBT people in the industry. Um, I think it's important to, you know, that the industry has about 3 million people works in construction. Yeah. And uh, quite a few of the tier one companies, you know, the Kias, the Arabs, the Balfours, the Morgan Sindels, they have LGBT networks. But, uh you know, the, the tier twos and the subcontractors, they, most of them haven't got anything. And so that's when like a, an industry network really can make a difference. I didn't realise they, um, they have that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, uh, Building Equality has about 60 uh, big companies and organisations that are part of that. Um, but I mean, also uh, like the Chartered Institute of Building, they, they have now got a diversity and inclusion charter. So that's obviously encourages like subcontractors to, to actually be more inclusive. Um, and uh, the Construction Industry Council has a roadmap for change as well, which is, you know, is designed to, to make the industry more inclusive. And there's quite a few other initiatives as well going on. And so I think it is easier but culturally the industry is changing, but, you know, we still have got a massive way to go, I think, yeah, for the yeah. whole three yeah, million people. Yeah, you know. thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, our next comment is from Phase 28. No one on site should care how anyone wants to live as long as you're not lazy. Fair play to you. That's true, isn't it? That's true enough, yeah. so Just get on with our jobs. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Thank you, Phase 28. And our last comment is from Bex. Hello, Bex. Um, how can colleagues or superiors at work make it easier for LGBTQIA plus members to be their authentic selves on site? What do you reckon about that, Christina? Well, we the, uh, you know, being an ally, I talk about active allies uh, in the industry and, and also outside the industry. And, uh, you know, I think it's for, you know, leadership from the top, but also leadership at the bottom as well we can work both ways sort of up within you know companies in terms of allyship and um you know creating an inclusive environment where you can be yourself you know that that means making sure that bullying and intimidation and inappropriate language isn't really acceptable you know we you know banter can be a good thing but also it can be a, quite a toxic thing as well and we know that you know, suicide in, in construction Absolutely. is the biggest killer. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, two people every day take their lives in, in construction. So that's just in the UK. That's just in, yeah. in the UK. So it's a massive issue. And uh, and so, um, you know, that being an active ally where not only do you say like, oh, you know, I support you as a LGBT person or trans person or gay person, but actually speaking up and making sure that, you know, colleagues around you know that inappropriate language isn't acceptable you know we can all have a laugh but actually like victimizing somebody because of their sexuality or gender you know can have real consequences yeah Neil, if someone was out there watching this now, if you had some sort of getting together now, some final words. If someone, someone's out there and they, they're in your position sort of 32 years ago and right. they, they were nervous and they, they, they wanted to come out, what, what advice would you give them? 
Oh, uh, that's, that's a difficult one, really, because there are so many different circumstances. But um, I believe that um, you've got to be yourself in the end. So, I mean, I know there are people, I mean, I know people that haven't come out for whatever reasons, um, people that want to come out in the building industry. I just think probably, people have asked me many times, what's it like to be gay and a builder? And I said, it's exactly the same as it is to be a straight builder, but I'm gay. And that's basically it. But once you get past the sort of, I mean, years ago, I mean, when I was a youngster, I mean, we knew a doctor was gay, and we knew a solicitor was gay, and it seemed to be professionals that would be quite openly out yep. with, with couples, because it, with all due respect, in that sort of class of work, if you like, in that sort of uh, league of it. And, and the guy on the street that maybe thought he was gay, probably, you know, he's working on cutting hedges or whatever he's doing, and it's all important work, but well, he's not in that sort of atmosphere that he could. Um, but I was I really the, the honest thing is when I, mean, I just told everybody about as I said about a thousand times, mm. and I just decided if they don't like it, then they don't like me. I mean they might not like me anyway, so there's no big deal about it. Um, customers are quite funny, can be. Obviously through the pink builders they assume I'm gay, and of course I am. But other customers have asked me questions, and it's been I don't know if I've got time for it, but I was working for a couple a few years ago, and they were lovely people. And uh, we were doing up, they bought a house next door, we were doing up one forum and a bit on the house they lived in, blah, blah, blah. And this lady said to me, what are you doing for Christmas then, Neil? And I said, oh, I'm fine. She said, I've got some stuff. You're not going to go on your own, are you? No, 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 no. She said, but you're not married, are you? I went, no, I'm not married. And she kept trying to ask the question, but like, without asking questions. We've all worked for that customer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and her husband just went, she went, what's that, Jim? Oh, are you, um, am I what? Are you, um, are you? So, yes, I am. Oh, lovely. We can still come for Christmas dinner. And that was it. I didn't go for Christmas dinner, but she, was gonna, she thought I lived on my own because I never mentioned a wife. Oh, I see. And um, when I said partner, she didn't know whether I'm partner or business partner. So I don't necessarily go in and say, you know, spring my life away. But there's been some lots of funny things like that happen over the years, and they're really, really lovely people. And I think a lot of people generally are, are just more accepting, acceptive of it. Um, and it's, you know, like most of the young say, well, what does it make? Yeah. So I understand that in your line of business, especially in the corporate world as well. Yeah. It would be a different thing because it can be a bit oh, archaic yeah. sometimes. What, what advice would you have, Christina, if someone was in your position and they were well, going through that panic and that anxiety I mean, that you had? Yeah, I mean, the, tr the truth is, actually, in the eight years since I've come out, I've actually had hardly any problems at all with anybody in, in the industry. So, you know, it, it does, for me, feel relatively safe, but that doesn't mean to say that somebody that could be working in a another company would be really struggling i think you know reach out to you know if you go on social media there are quite a few networks now uh within construction you know including building quality there's inter-engineering uh there's a planning out uh network for planners as well so um you know reach out find people you know out there through linkedin and twitter and, and uh, there are people out there, there what about you telling your school family what's the Gosh, that's fair. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I actually never came out to my daughters. Uh, my my ex uh, told my daughters uh, without sort of permission, but um, it, which meant that for like nearly a year, I didn't have contact with my daughters. So, so obviously, you know, managing children is, is uh, you know, is a challenge anyway. But I mean. My daughters are now like 24 and 22 yeah. and I do see them and they're quite accepting. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it does, it works out in me. Well, for me, it's worked out. And, yeah, uh, 
Well, thank you very much for uh, coming along and thank telling you. your stories. And hopefully, if someone's watching there and they're sort of feeling that anxiety and stuff, yeah, just get on with it. Just, just get on with it. Just get on with it. Absolutely. So we've got to thank our, our hoodie winner for someone who's commented in. So the winner this week is Charles Jarrett. Well done, Charles. So just um, just messaging the page your the size of hoodie you want and your your details, your address. We we'll send that out to you. We we'll get that to you straight away. Um, Sam, what's your mum's name? Sharon! Happy birthday to Sharon, which is Sam on the team there. It's her birthday today. She's got a poor ankle because she fell over on holiday. Um, thanks so much to the team. Also, thanks so much to our producer, Liam, who this week has finished six weeks of radiotherapy on his head and he's oh. been an absolute trooper with the cap on back there. What a star he is. So thanks to him. Thanks to the team back there. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for coming down, guys. We hope to see you next time. Cheerio!